0: Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Good morning. If we haven't met yet, my name's Dan, and I'm pretty sure I've met every one of you in this room for the first time in a while, which is fun. Um, Hey, you guys have had first announcements, but what about second announcements? I've got some, uh, just just two more for you. Uh, We've got our business meeting March 26th. That's in two Sundays from now. And that business meeting is where uh, any member is invited uh, to participate, and it's where we look at um, the books and look at the finances, and you, the board will be here. You can ask any questions, um, and so I just want to invite you to that. It's I think it's really important that we take a look at our books. You can see where all of our pennies are going, what we're spending, what our budgets are, um, and what it's going to look like with this new building as well. So if you've got questions about finances, whatever that may be, come to that meeting and you can find, ask all the questions that you need to. Um, life has an open finance policy where if you're a member of the church, you should know where our money's going, every penny if you would like. So uh, once a year we have a business meeting. That's in two weeks. And then new building. I'm, I mean, it's, I've, I feel like I've just, I, it's just huge for us. So... Um, we go there on the 23rd of April. It will be our first Sunday there, so we've got those opportunities for you to serve. And I definitely butchered the times on that. I'll have to double-check the, the sign-up sheet back there, but um, it's from 9 to 12 and 1 to 4. 9 to 12 and 1 to 4, so sh- sign up for one of those shifts. Yeah, don't pay attention to that slide. I've got to fix it. Um, Well, hey, we're starting a new series today, which I'm excited about. This series is called The Impossible, where we're looking at the miracles of Jesus and what they mean for us. Um, And so Jesus did all these miracles, and sometimes we think like, well, that's cool that he did those, but what does that mean for us? So that's what we're going to look at today. Um, Has anyone in here ever experienced a miracle? If You can just raise your hand. I won't call on you or anything, but if you've experienced a miracle, that's awesome. I love seeing that. If you're online, write in the chat. Just write miracle. And I imagine there's more people online today, which I love, Um, so welcome to you guys. So write miracle in the chat if you've experienced a miracle. If you're coming here today and you're like a miracle skeptic, you are welcome here and you are in good company because I too have been and am a miracle skeptic. Let me share a story with you. I was at a conference, a vineyard conference. It's our, there's 2,000 vineyard churches worldwide, and uh, every other year we all get together. So, <clears throat> I mean, lots of us, not all of us. Um, and I was at this conference. It was the first day of the conference, and this guy's is sitting next to me, and there's this opportunity for prayer. And so I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for him. So I, I start praying for him, and he says, you know, I've got this elbow pain that's keeping me from sleeping. Like, I can't sleep at all. Um, I get just a couple hours a night. I keep my wife up. I've got to sleep in a different room because of it. <clears throat> and I just want healing. I want healing for this. And it's like, I was like, oh, okay. I'll pray, I'll pray for it. That's fine. Like, it was out of obedience. It wasn't out of faith. You know, I had enough faith to be obedient, to pray for him. So I started praying for him, and he's like, wow, my pain was like at an 8 out of 10, and now it's going down to a 7 and a 6. Like, keep praying for me, keep praying for me. And it kept going down, and then the conference started, and I was like, what? So we had to we had to take a break, and then the whole conference, I was just thinking, what in the world? Like, is this guy for real? And so then after the conference, I was like, hey, what, like, what's going on with your elbow? He's like, yeah, it's still like at a 4. Like, would you pray for it again? I was like, oh, Okay. So I keep praying for it, <clears throat> and it goes all the way down to a zero. And I'm like, is this just like endorphins like from worship or something? Is it just like this, this crazy thing that's happening for the moment? And so the next day I find him, and I'm like, hey, how's your elbow pain? Like, Did it come back? Is it all right? And he was like, yeah, it's, it's still completely gone. Like, I got the best sleep of my life last night. And I was like, well, that's cool. I was still skeptical. So the next day, I was like, hey, how much did your elbow pain come back? He's like, it hasn't come back, Dan. And so I was like, what? That's crazy. So I got his business card. And I put it under my keyboard. You guys ever put things under your keyboard just like for some reason? And I put it under there. I would see it from time to time in my office. And then after two years had gone by, I was cleaning out my office. And I saw the business card again. I was actually cleaning out my office to come to this job. Um, and I was like, you know what, before, before I pack this up again and lose it, I'm going to call him, which I did lose it. I can't find it anymore. Um, but I called him again and I was like, Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but two years ago I prayed for your elbow. And he's like, of course I remember you. And I was like, did the pain ever come back? He's like, no, it's completely gone. And I was just so skeptical. I, I couldn't believe it. And I'm glad, I love that I just kept following up with him because it's not a question in my head anymore. Like a miracle happened, like God healed his elbow. And so if you have a mind like mine, you're welcome here to to question the miracle. That's fine. You know, we have a record of about 38 physical miracles that Jesus did in the Bible. And of course, those aren't the only miracles. We have lots of passages in the Bible where it says like Jesus hung out here for a couple days and taught and healed people. So we don't have record of every single miracle. What, what miracle do you guys know about that Jesus has done in the Bible? Go ahead and shout it out. This is crowd participation. If you're online, just type it in the chat with the miracle. Just shout it out. What, what miracle do you know about? Say it again. Yeah, shriveled hand. The guy's hand was all shriveled up, and Jesus was like, open your hand. And it opened. What's another one? Feeding the 5,000. Feeding the 5,000. That's a good one. Fill my belly. That's great. What's another one? Raising Lazarus from the dead, dead guy. He had been dead for days, and Jesus raises him up. Norm, what was yours? Oh, okay, great. Um, So these are all great miracles. These are all ways where God has intervened in human affairs to bring about extraordinary, life-changing events. That's the definition of a miracle, The dictionary defines it as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. I've kind of modified that a little bit. My definition of a miracle is God intervening in human affairs to bring about an extraordinary life-altering event. That definition, it kind of broadens what a miracle is, doesn't it? But I want to affirm that in no way does it like cheapen a miracle or water down a miracle. Um, but it's God intervening in our lives. And that's incredible. That is miraculous. If, if the God of the universe cares about us enough to intervene in our lives, that's incredible. And so if we look at that definition, God intervening in human affairs, in your affairs, to bring about an extraordinary life-altering event, I wonder, would more hands go up? If I said, who's experienced a miracle? I bet there'd be a lot more hands that go up. And it also expands as, expands, uh, expands Jesus' 38 miracles to any time he interacted with somebody to change their life, to bring them a new way of thinking about life. There's a miracle that happened there as their life was altered in an incredible way. I think of the story of Zacchaeus in this way. Do you guys remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man? A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree. You guys want to sing the song, don't you? You ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Great job. Everybody who didn't grow up in Baptist Sunday school is looking at us like, you guys are crazy. It's okay. You can think we're crazy. But he was a He was a little guy. That, uh, that wanted to see Jesus. And he was said to notoriously have, the Bible says that, notoriously, had his back turned on the things of God. <clears throat> he stole from people whatever he wanted through legal loopholes, and there wasn't anything anybody could do about it. He was hated. Um, he was seen as an evil person, and he did some evil things. But Zacchaeus had a life altering conversation with Jesus. And he said, after this conversation with Jesus, he's like, I'm done living selfishly. I'm done doing evil things. I'm giving everything that I stole back and, and I'm going to give back more than I stole. This was a miracle in Zacchaeus's life. This kind of life change is just unheard of. Like this doesn't happen. This would be like if a uh, U.S. senator like, got up, unprompted, no one found anything out about him, he just did it on his own uh, fruition, and he got up and he said, you know what, I founded my company while it was legal, and I did things legally, I was like taking advantage of people, and I, and I took money that I shouldn't have been taking, and uh, I'm going to give up my senate seat, and I'm going to dissolve my company and I'm going to give everything, I'm going to sell all of the possessions that I have, that my company has, I'm going to dissolve it all, and I'm just going to give it all to the Red Cross. Like, that's what this would be like. No one does that. You know, yesterday in here, um, we had uh, residents from Candlewood. They're going through an incredibly tough time right now. Um, And we just hosted this workshop. We just hosted it. I didn't put the workshop on or anything. There's some amazing attorneys that were here, explaining rights, and giving people advice on what to do. And after talking to some of those attorneys, I just, like, I have a new understanding for how evil someone can be. Like, their mission, this group of investors, finds these mobile home parks and just puts their foot on these people's throats, and they just, they have no choice but to, to, but to pay. Because, let me explain it real quick. Um, just so you know what's going on in our community. Uh, what the, the people that live there, a lot of them own their mobile homes, but they don't own the property that it sits on. To move the mobile home costs thousands of dollars. And so they can't move. They don't have that money. And so these people come in, they buy the property, they raise the rent, and people can't move. They just have no choice but to pay it. This one lady that I heard yesterday, she moved from Champaign because her property got bought out. They raised her rent. She paid $8,000 to move her trailer here. And now this one's bought out and she's got to pay that. And she's she's got nothing left. And so I was thinking as I was writing this yesterday, I was like, "This this is it. Like what if Kodiak, that's the company that's doing this, just had this interaction with Jesus. The CEO was like, what we're doing is evil. We're sorry. We're giving everything back and then some. Like that's the kind of miracle life change that would happen here. While this series is going to camp out in the physical miracles of Jesus and what they mean for us today, I do want us to expand our definition um, of what a miracle can be because one, uh, it's true, and two, I want you to realize that a miracle, whether it's physical or mental or emotional or spiritual or relational or financial, is closer than you might initially Realize, we worship a God of abundance. We worship a God of abundance. If Jesus were to tap you on the shoulder right now, or maybe while you're at home this afternoon, he taps you on the shoulder and he says, what can I do for you? What would you tell him? What if he like, actually said that to you? What can I do for you? what would you ask him for? What would you say? Would you ask him to heal your body? Would you ask him to mend a relationship in your life? Maybe you'd ask him for financial stability. Maybe for healing of spiritual or emotional wounds that you carry. Maybe some of you here would just say, prove that you're real. Prove that you care about me. I bet there's some of you here that just really need to know that. I want to show you a story in the Bible today of a guy who got to answer that very question from Jesus. Jesus asked him, what can I do for you? And he got to answer that, like in the presence of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So I want to share this with you. This is found in Mark 10. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there with me, Mark 10. Um, i also have them on the screen. Or if you've got a device I always, I always love just like looking up so I can see the context of things. So if you've got a device, you can go to Mark 10. And I'm reading from the NLT version today. So if you have the opportunity to choose your version in your app, I'll be in the NLT. Mark chapter 10. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, He stopped, and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Hey, cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you, and instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. I want to tell you the story of when I was a kid. The time, this this time, when someone asked me, like, what can I, what can I get for you? What can I do for you? We had this store called Abe's Carmel Corn. Abe's Carmel Corn was in this um, old. Uh, railroad station. It like had wooden floors, creaky wooden floors, and uh, these steps. It was really small, but it had two floors. It had these creaky woody, wooden steps that would go up to another level, and they had all sorts of candy. And it was just a mile from my house. So me and my friends, whenever we could, whenever our parents would let us, whenever we got enough money out of the couch cushion seats, right, we'd go to, We'd get on our bikes and we'd ride down to Abe's Caramel Corn. We'd get all of our candy. And if you had a quarter left over, they had a gumball machine. And you put your quarter in and you get a gumball. And then you open the little flap. And if it comes out and it has the word winner printed on it, you get to go up to the top floor, second floor, and pick out any kind of popcorn that you want from their wall. And it was actually more common than you would think. Like It wasn't just like this crazy thing that happened every once in a while. But um, it seemed like one of us might, uh, win every other time we'd go there. And so this one time I, I got the winner gumball and I went up to the stairs and they've got all these kinds of popcorn, right? They got the salted, the buttered, the kettle, but the only one that I really want is caramel. Any caramel corn fans in here? Any Chicago style where they mix it with the cheese? Yeah. Some of you? Got, yeah. Great. Um, I just wanted the caramel corn. This is the most sugary, right? Um, I showed him my gumball, and there's this old man, and he was like, what can I get for you? Which one do you want? And like, I was like, yeah, I can pick any one I want. Caramel corn and I would walk back to my friends with this bag of caramel corn standing 10 feet tall that I had won, right? I had won my caramel corn. Bartimaeus, similar vibe. He had won. Like, be up... Above and beyond anything you could imagine. Like Jesus has just asked him, what can I do for you? Of all the people that wanted something from Jesus that day, like there's a huge crowd following him. Bartimaeus was the one that was chosen. I wonder if there were other people in that crowd that needed something, that needed a miracle, that wanted something from Jesus. There probably were. But Bartimaeus is the one called out to by Jesus to come over. I want to tell you a couple things about Bartimaeus. Um, He was blind, so he didn't have a lot of work options. Perhaps his best one was just begging in the street like he did. He lived in Jericho. I want to show you this map I found online. Someone else was using it for something else, but I want to show you this map because it works for our purposes too. If you can see it, uh, I'm, I'm going to go over here. Camera, you don't need to follow me. but um, Jericho's right over here, if you can see it. And this green path goes up to Jerusalem right there. So Jericho's here, and you've got to climb this whole thing up to Jerusalem. It's a whole day's journey. It's 18 or 20 miles, depending on what part of Jerusalem you're going to. And you've got to do it all in one day. So Jericho is like this main stopping point before you go up into Jerusalem. So if you're traveling from Galilee, like you can see uh, Galilee way up in the top right corner. I'm pointing over there, I got a TV. In the top right corner, um, then you're traveling through that valley and you come through Jericho and you're going to spend a day or two there like preparing to go up to Jerusalem. And so for this time of year, which is right before Passover, there's tons of people coming through Jericho. And I wonder if this is like, uh, Bartimaeus' Christmas, you know, where he makes the bulk of his money at this season when all these people are passing through, probably a little bit more generous than usual because they're going to this Passover festival. They're passing through and they're throwing some money to him. So Bartimaeus, he's, he's got this routine where he gets up and he goes to the best spot or the spot that he's got and he asks for people for money. And then the other thing is that when when beggars would beg, they would um, sit probably crisscross applesauce, um, and then you'd put your cloak over your legs. And then people, as they go by, they'd throw the money in your cloak. Maybe like we might throw money in a guitar case on a street performer or something. You know, you just throw it in as you're going by. And so, um, and so, Bartimaeus hears this crowd coming down the street. Like he knows there's commotion. Something's happening. People are following Jesus. He hears the commotion. And he asks somebody near him, hey, who's coming? They say the rabbi, the teacher Jesus. And Bartimaeus, man, he's heard of Jesus. Jesus has been doing miracles and ministry for three years now. So he's heard of Jesus. And, And he wants in on what's happening. He's heard about the healings. He's heard about the miracles and he's like, that could be me today. I'm going to go after Jesus. And so he begins to shout, Jesus, son of David. That son of David is a very special royal title. You just don't yell at anybody. And so Bartimaeus here, he's recognizing Jesus as his king. And he continues to shout, have mercy on me. The scripture it's originally written in Greek. And that word that we translate as shout is is more of like a shriek or a wail or a scream. It's not just your regular like, hey, Jesus, I'm over here. Come heal me. Like this is like a shrieking and a wailing out to Jesus to get his attention. It's why the people around him are telling him to be quiet. Because he's not just embarrassing himself with this streak and this streak, this uh, shriek and this yelling. He's embarrassing the people around him because it's not culturally appropriate. But it works. That's what matters. It works. Jesus hears his cries for help, and when when Bartimaeus hears. That Jesus is calling him. He throws off his cloak. Like, can you imagine, like, the money just flying to the side? He doesn't care about it anymore. He's gonna go see Jesus. So he throws off this cloak full of money. He jumps up. And I, I just gotta imagine this scene. Like, does he? Uh, run towards Jesus blind and just bump into everybody along the way, not caring? Does the crowd like split in two and like guide him down towards Jesus? I don't know, but we know that Bartimaeus is excited and he wants to see Jesus. And then it happens. Jesus asks him, what would you like me to do for you? And he's healed and he follows Jesus on his way down Jerusalem to Jerusalem, I wonder if he came back for his coins. I think not. I think he was just like, "Yeah, let's go, Jesus," and he follows Jesus. I wonder about Bartimaeus. Like this is right before Jesus is crucified, just days before. Was he one of the people that was like grabbing palm branches the next day and putting him down for Jesus as he walked to the temple? Was he one of the people? Uh, that was in the crowd as Jesus was crucified. Like, what what were his feelings? Being healed just days before, and here his Savior is dying on a cross. And what were his emotions and his feelings as Jesus rose from the dead three days later? Like, did he go back to Jericho during those three days and then catch wind of what had happened later? It just—it's this amazing story that he's a part of, and. Bartimaeus's pain, what he needed, his miracle, is what brought him to Jesus. I've heard many of your stories, and I've heard how your pain, like Bartimaeus, caused you to cry out for help, caused you to cry out to God to intervene. And like Bartimaeus, you had faith that Jesus was near, and so you cried out. Even if you We're like me, and you just had this tiny bit of faith for your miracle about that guy with the elbow. I just had enough faith to pray. Maybe you just had enough faith to cry out. And you experienced a miracle. And Jesus met you wherever you were, like Bartimaeus. God intervened. This is the definition of a miracle again. God intervened in your life to bring about an extraordinary life-altering event. And you've got a testimony about that. Or maybe you've come here today with pains and weaknesses and aches, and you need a miracle so large that you're like, it's too big. Like, God can't do anything about that. Or maybe you're on the opposite side of that, saying, well, what's my problem compared to all these other problems? Like, yeah, I would love for this to happen. My miracle to me would be huge, but God doesn't really care about that. He's got other things to worry about. I think Bartimaeus could have thought himself in either category. Like, my blindness is just too big. Jesus can't do anything about it. Or my blindness, there's bigger problems than me. But what matters is that that Bartimaeus recognizes that his Savior is near. That Jesus is near. And that he had faith enough to cry out, King Jesus, have mercy on me. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we get to pray that same exact prayer and be heard by God. We can cry out to God who is near King Jesus, have mercy on me. He listens to our pleas with compassion, He calls us over. God is near. And it is, is, it is as though Jesus has already asked you, what can I do for you? When you came in, I hope you got one of these cards. If not, you can grab one on your way out. And I, I want to give these to you to hang on to for at least the next four weeks. That's Lent. The next four weeks is Lent. It's the time leading up to Easter. And then we have a huge celebration on Easter that Jesus is risen. And what I want you to do with these cards is write down the miracles that you've experienced in your life. Like take some time, maybe you do it today, maybe you do it tomorrow, it doesn't matter, but take some time to fill out three things. And you can just use like a code word, I know you can't write a whole story in there, but you can write a little code word in there about what God has done in your life. And I'll be honest, like the, mi- the elbow, healing of the elbow that, that God used me to pray for and heal like, it's not going to make it in my top three. Like, there's bigger miracles in my life where God has intervened and, and done some amazing things. And it's funny how, like, a physical miracle hasn't been, it was amazing, but it's not in my top three. Like, God's done some amazing things in our lives. I bet you guys might be the same way. Like, God's done some amazing things in your life. So write those down. And then this last one. I want you to imagine Jesus sitting next to you and saying, what can I do for you? Like with compassion in his voice, with hope in his voice for you, he says, what can I do for you? And then over the next four weeks during Lent, take time every day to thank God for your three and pray for your one. Say, King Jesus, I need a miracle. I need your help for this last one. So take that home with you. Fill those out. Um, and pray for your miracle. But listen, I've got to share one more story with you. It's another time when Jesus asks the exact same thing. In the Greek, the exact same words are used. What do you want me to do for you? He asks somebody else. And it just so happens that this, this story, is right before Bartimaeus in Mark. So if you've got like a physical Bible with you, you can just like look up and you're going to see this um, this story. And Jesus and his friends, they're traveling to Jericho. Uh, and James and John, two of Jesus' friends, uh, they're his disciples. They're learning from Jesus, who he is, what, how they can live like him. They, they catch Jesus while he's alone. Like there's, uh, 13 of them all hanging out together. And they kind of wait till Jesus is alone and they come up to him and they're like, Jesus, we have faith that you're the Messiah. And that you are King Jesus. And and we have a request for you. And Jesus, in the same wording that he uses for Bartimaeus, just a few verses later, says, What do you want me to do for you? And they say, Well, Jesus, we have faith. We believe you are the Messiah. You're going to be king. You are going to sit on a throne of glory. And Do you think me and my brother here, that we could sit on your left and your right? And Jesus says, guys, you don't know what you're asking. This is a huge request. Because just a a few verses before that, Jesus tells them why they're going to Jerusalem. To be that Jesus is going to be betrayed, he's going to be crucified, he's going to lay down his life. For everyone so that we can have kingdom life here today. And and Jesus says, can you guys do that? Can you drink from the same cup that I'm going to with this crucifixion? With laying my life down for others? And they both respond, maybe without thinking. Maybe they thought about it, I don't know. And they say, yeah, absolutely we can. We can do that. And Jesus um, Jesus, with compassion still, he says, I know you will. I know you will. Because in their lives, both of them have this entire life, the rest of their lives, they sacrifice for the gospel. They go through untold hardships um, to teach people about Jesus' love for them and his sacrifice for them for the rest of their life. They may not get it in this moment quite yet, but they go on to live those lives and spread the gospel around the world. And then Jesus takes this opportunity to intervene in human affairs. And he offers an opportunity for his disciples to live in an extraordinary, life altering way. This is in Mark 10 42. So Jesus calls them all together. Now he's calling all the disciples together right after James and John um, have asked this. The other disciples found out that they asked, they were super mad about it. The Bible says they were indignant. That they would even ask that. And Jesus says, You know what the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. When Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? James and John had no idea that they were going to get this kind of response from Jesus. They were asking for one thing, and Jesus invited them into something way beyond that. He invited them into something extraordinary. Sometimes we get what we're asking for, just like Bartimaeus. You know, Bartimaeus says, I want to see. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. You can see now. But it's also not uncommon for Jesus to hear our requests and give us the opportunity for something greater, for a different kind of miracle than we're expecting. I bet many of you in here could tell me about a time when you were praying for something and God provided you with something better. It wasn't what you expected, but it was exactly what you needed. James and John asked Jesus for honor and respect to sit next to him on his throne. They wanted that honor. They wanted to be recognized as close to Jesus. And Jesus heard them. And then he gave them what they were asking for, but not at all in the way that they wanted. Jesus said, You want honor, you want respect, don't flaunt your authority like the world. Instead, become a servant and all and and then, when you're a servant of all, you'll receive the honor that you desire in the kingdom of God. This flips what They wanted on its head. Like they wanted a certain kind of answer, and Jesus takes that and flips it upside down and says, I know that you want this, but I'm going to turn that upside down, and this is actually what you're asking for. So when you're praying for your miracle, this bottom line, over the next four weeks, as you answer the question that Jesus has asked you, What can I do for you? over the next four weeks, Have your eyes open for a response that may not fit the exact way that you drew it up. Have your eyes open for a different kind of miracle. Be ready for God to intervene in your affairs. To bring about an extraordinary life-altering event, maybe one that you didn't even see coming. So let me recap. Bartimaeus knew that God was near And we can know that God is near. We did a message uh, maybe four weeks ago. You can go look it up on the podcast just about how God is near. God is listening with compassion like he does to Bartimaeus, like he does to James and John. He's listening to your request. Third, we can seek him with all of our strength like Bartimaeus. Maybe that means, you know, taking time every day to really pray about what's going on, to seek God out, to spend time with him. And then fourth, be on the lookout for an upside-down answer, maybe one you didn't totally expect. I had another story to tell you, but I'm running out of time, so I'll throw this to you guys to look at. The story right before James and John is the story of this guy who has, he he comes to Jesus and asks a question. It's more like he's asking for a pat on the back. You're doing a good job. You guys might know the story as the rich young ruler. And it's this, again, it's a request. And Jesus takes his request, his request for a pat on the back pretty much, and flips it on its head and gives him an opportunity for a miracle way of living. So check that out. That's at the beginning of Mark 10. And then take that and compare it to Luke 19 where Zacchaeus is. These are like the same kind of person and they choose radically different roads. They're both given an opportunity like on a silver platter. Hey, here's a miracle opportunity for you. And one says no. The other says absolutely. That might happen for us too. Will you guys pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you're a God of miracles. It's incredible that you intervene in our lives. Like, you are the God of the universe. You're, you're, <laughs> you've caused planets to go around each other and, and stars to be put in the sky, and um, yet you care about everyone in here. And you're listening to us with compassion. Jesus, hear our pleas for the miracle that we need in our lives now. God, we want to be open to however you want to work that out. We're seeking you, and we're seeking your intervention in our lives. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, Go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org. Oh, hey, you're still here. You're like one of my favorite people, the the kind of person that like sticks around after church while everybody else is left. Like you're still one of the last ones talking. You're like the podcast version of that person. And while I have you here, uh, if you didn't know, this is Pastor Dan. Uh, While I have you here, I just want to say, hey, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to come to life if you're in the central Illinois area. If you're listening to this outside of central Illinois, go find a vineyard church. Vineyard churches are amazing places. Go find one near you. And if you're not near a vineyard church, then uh, just find a church, a community of believers that you can be involved with being community with. I think we are our best spiritual selves when we are in community with other people who are following Jesus. That's what the church is for. So we hope to see you here, and if not here, go find a community of believers that you can get involved with this week. All right, thanks for listening. See you later.